Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Today's episode has been made possible through the generous support of Bright Peak Financial, an award-winning not-for-profit supporting Christians on their journey to financial strength. Go to brightpeakfinancial.com to make your dream happen. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour. Time to open our hearts and minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. Today I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a very familiar word today um, and actually it's a Sanskrit word that means oneness, union, or unity. The bringing together of our attention and our awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. Many people today do associate the term yoga solely with exercise, but yoga is actually a much broader system, including philosophy and practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. As a medical doctor and longtime practitioner of Kriya Yoga, I have found it to be a comprehensive system for enhanced well-being on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. Today our topic is the mysteries of the brain and the secrets of the heart. Our discussion today will focus on the power for good within each one of us, which is the same power that runs the universe. When we nurture our awareness of that power with compassion and kindness, we can learn to cooperate with it and accomplish our worthy goals. My guest today is Dr. James Doty. He's a physician, clinical professor of neurosurgery at Stanford, and founder and director for Stanford's Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education, otherwise abbreviated as CCARES. He's also the author of Into the Magic Shop, a neurosurgeon's quest to discover the mysteries of the brain and the secrets of the heart which is his story of awakening to this power within. You can find out more about Dr. Doty's work at these websites, intothemagicshop.com and ccare.stanford.edu. Uh, Welcome, Jim. I'm delighted that you could join us today on the Yoga Hour. Well, it's a joy to be with you, and thank you so much for inviting me. Before we begin our dialogue about the mysteries of the brain and the secrets of the heart, let's start with a moment of meditation. Oh. Let's begin by turning our attention to our breath. 
Since our breath is present with us, always, it's a tool that we can use to bring our attention and awareness into this present moment. So let's take a fully conscious breath, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Not trying to change our breath, just noticing its natural flow. Noticing as cool air enters the nostrils and as warm air flows out. We can use our breath to help our attention dive within. We can open our heart to this moment, to the one reality that is called by many names. It is the source and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here and right now, this divine essence is present as you, as me, as everyone and everything. It's within us, between us, and all around us. Just by being present now and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words, beyond thoughts, beyond all change, pure existence being. We feel the peace that emanates from the essence of our being. We allow that peace to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Once again, Dr. James Doty, welcome to the Yoga Hour. I thought we'd start with a couple of quotes. Uh, Kriya Yoga Master Paramahansa Yogananda said, The happiness of one's own heart alone cannot satisfy the soul. One must try to include as necessary to one's own happiness the happiness of others. And then another quote from your mentor and a benefactor of your work, the Dalai Lama, who said, If you want others to be happy, practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. In your book, you describe compassion as the recognition of the suffering of another with a desire to alleviate that suffering. You've also said that kindness is the active component of compassion, and I I really like that definition. So how did you become interested in compassion? Well, uh, I think all of us, uh, our lives our manifestation of our history growing up and and the experiences we had. And I grew up in poverty. My father was an alcoholic and my mother uh, had had a stroke and was partially paralyzed and was chronically depressed and had attempted suicide. We were on public assistance. Neither had gone to college. And I saw uh, how... Uh, painful it was, both from my own experience and watching the suffering of others when they were disregarded or not shown dignity or given respect, and it was very, very painful. 
And in my own experience growing up, I initially began with the sense of despair and hopelessness that developed over time because I did not see that I had a way out of my own situation. Mm. And from that, I developed a deep sense of empathy and, frankly, understanding of pain and uh, a desire to alleviate that pain, if at all possible. Right. And, uh, you've actually turned that interest of, you know, compassion and, and, um, you know, in the, in the founding of the center, CCARES, um, the Center for, uh, Com- Compassion, uh, and Altruism Research and Education. So, um, how did you become, uh, interested in the research on the effects of compassion and kindness? And why did you think that was important? Well, there are a couple things. Uh, and I, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little little bit more, but at a very critical juncture in my life at age 12, <clears throat> when I was developing anger uh, towards my situation and the sense of hopelessness, I had an extraordinary experience that occurred in a magic shop. That's the name of uh, the book or the title of the book. Um, and that was, I walked into a magic shop and there was a woman there And she knew nothing about magic, frankly. She happened to just be the owner's mother who was sitting in for him while he did an errand. But she was an incredible, enlightened individual who, after speaking with me and asking me some, frankly, very uh, penetrating questions, she said to me, I'm here for another six weeks, and if you show up every day, I think I can teach you something that will change your life. And, of course, that's an extraordinary statement for an individual to make, and it's an extraordinary thing uh, to say to a 12-year-old. But that being the case, I showed up every day, and it wasn't, frankly, because I had some incredible insight. The reality was I had nothing better to do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I did show up, and during that period of time, uh, she taught me a uh, meditation practice and a way to see the world differently. And that fundamental interaction with her changed the trajectory of my life, and it changed how I saw the world and ultimately how the world saw me. Mm. And that seminal experience then gave me uh, the strength, the insight, um, and the perseverance uh, to focus my life in a direction that was positive and also not to be burdened with uh, issues of uh, anger and hostility based on my situation, but to accept my situation mm-hmm. and gain insights into that situation, what I could learn from it, and from that, what I could give to others. And that ultimately is what led to the creation of the center. I had um, been at Stanford uh, some time and periodically had left to explore other things of interest of mine. And when I came back the last time, which was in the 2007-2008 time frame, it struck me that one of the reasons in a secular society that oftentimes uh, uh, philosophical, religious uh, practices are not um, believed is because they are simply perceived as not having a basis in fact or science, but in simply faith and belief. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I wanted to examine that more because my repeated experience has been that practices that have existed for hundreds or thousands of years uh, do not persist simply because they have no basis uh, in reality or fact, and ultimately right. using the tools of science, uh, neuroscience, psychology, mm-hmm. uh, myself and a, a number of others who are exploring this area now realize that the fundamental nature of our humanity is based on compassion, and that's why it is also the basis of almost every religion and philosophical practice, and that when one is compassionate, we evolve so that our physiology works its best when one is uh, being compassionate. 
Right, which I, I uh, am so excited about this um, this area of compassion as a topic of research. And I would, you know, look at there's uh, this broader movement in psychology, which originally was just focused on all of the, you know, kind of pathological psychology or the negative psychology states. And it's really turned into now, you know, positive psychology, which has been being researched for, I don't know, the last 15 or so, maybe 20 years. Um and then this particular focus of that, you know, of looking at the benefits of, you know, some of these things that are so central. And then as a, as a fellow physician, so I am, you know, had my training as a general internist and you as a neurosurgeon. And I'm sure this topic of compassion is such a familiar one, you know, within the practice of medicine. I mean, for, you know, for a physician, you know, it's the whole thing about bedside manner and, you know, it's not, as it's not only important, you know, that you diagnose someone correctly, um, you know, but that you provide compassion. And I think in, in the profession of medicine, it's been known for a, a long time that um, compassionate presence is part of the healing process. So that I think is, is part of our kind of uh, heritage, you know, of being, being physicians. But I think this is so interesting to look at it as so now what's the benefit for the person who who is actually um, giving that compassion it's kind of turning it around you know so what's the benefit for the physician rather or in addition to you know the what the benefit is for the patient and the research has been really striking you know as you said of that it really optimizes our physiology in a lot of different ways no you're exactly right in fact uh um, we actually did a review of all the literature associated with how uh, kindness and compassion impact health outcomes. And mm-hmm. actually, there's a uh, blog post in the Huffington Post uh, that I wrote in that regard called Why Kindness Heals. But getting back to the point you initially made, which is fascinating, isn't it, how <clears throat> the the field of psychology and the broader field of medicine, they did not originate within our culture uh, in regard to health and wellness. Right. Uh, our culture has been focused on illness and not being well or right. psychopathology. And <clears throat> while obviously uh, this is a part of uh, medicine, when it's oriented in that manner, it relies so much on external remedies. And the fact of the matter is, and I think science is bearing this out even more so, is that when you change it to a perspective of health and wellness, and then realize the power you have within yourself to manifest that, right. it changes the paradigm completely because you recognize that within yourself, you have extraordinary power to affect your mental states, and by doing so, affect your physical state. Absolutely. You know, that that, that so much of that is more in our control, I think, than uh, maybe we were aware of, you know, in the, in the more distant past. It's kind of, um, you know, there's a lot more... Um, of the interaction between these positive mental states like, you know, compassion, um, connectedness, you know, with people. And, and I think now that research is focusing on this, we understand some of the pathways, you know, where this is, this is happening, you know, the hormone oxytocin is now really understood as a connection, you know, hormone. Um, it obviously was originally associated with breastfeeding, but you know, the, the, you know, research has shown that, you know, get, getting a hug, you know, feeling connected to people, these are things that, that, you know, release oxytocin, which is something that, you know, we didn't really understand. So I'm excited about the research, the potential of, you know, showing the benefit of some of these, which then brings it more into something physicians hopefully can uh, talk about and that people can realize that these positive Acts that they can they can take, being a uh, being compassionate, um, that there's um, there's a positive consequence for their health. No, I think you're exactly right. The interesting thing is that, and I tell my uh, students and residents this that the success I have with my patients as a neurosurgeon, which of course is a very highly specialized and associated with uh, a high tech. Uh, uh, is just as much affected in regard to 
my interaction with the patient in a compassionate way as anything I do with my hands or with the technology. My successes are just as equally associated with that. And in fact, it's interesting. uh, I say this in the book, but it's um, Yogananda also said it, that uh, there is a magnet in your heart that will attract true friends. That magnet is unselfishness. Thinking of others first, when you learn to live for others, they will live for you. And what I mean by that is when you have an open heart, when you connect, it changes the world, and there's an energy associated with that. And that energy has an impact in others. And in regard to people who are ill and as physicians, when we give them that, it changes their physiology. It boosts their immune system. It improves cardiac and peripheral vascular function, and it improves their mental state. And all of these are critically important to the healing process. And the other side of this is that not only to patients, but to every individual, when you interact with them with an open heart, with unconditional love, with caring and compassion, how they interact with you dramatically changes. And for my own success in the world, what is responsible for that is that from that childhood experience, where I was connecting with the world in a hostile, angry way, by changing how I interacted with the world, the world changed how it interacted with me. Yes, such a great little uh, teaser for where we're going in the next section of the program, but now we're going to go to our break. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with special guest, Dr. James Doty, physician, clinical professor of neurosurgery at Stanford, and author of the book, Into the Magic Shop. Dr. Doty's websites, where you can find out more, are intothemagicshop.com and Seacare, which stands for the Center for Compassionate and Altruism Research and Education, so seacare.stanford.edu. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. And when we get back from the break, we'll explore how to access the power for good that was within us. Stay with us. We'll be right back. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. So there I was, staring at a closet overflowing with clothes, practically bursting at the seams in their polyester prison. I had ten minutes left to get dressed, and the stress was kicking in. Are turtlenecks still a thing? What about rhinestones? Where did I get this? Oh, my leggings from 1987. Ah, the scarves are attacking me. Sound familiar? Declutter your life and your closet with the Simple Living Challenge. It's a free 14-day challenge with powerful daily assignments to help you find more balance, freedom, and joy in life. Just go to SimpleLivingChallenge.com to sign up. Ooh, a cowboy hat. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it. And according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour 
Living the Eternal Way with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and my guest today is Dr. James Doty, neurosurgeon and founder and director of the Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education at Stanford. He's also the author of Into the Magic Shop, a neurosurgeon's quest to discover the mysteries of the brain and the secrets of the heart. So, Jim, in your book, you describe, and also earlier, you you told the story, the beginning of the story, about how you met Ruth, a woman named Ruth, in her son's magic shop when you were a boy. And then you review the lessons that Ruth taught you that have been so helpful in your own life. And you already mentioned how it was a life-changing experience and really helped lead to the founding of this um, Center for Compassion at uh, Stanford. So I really enjoyed reading about the meditation and visualization techniques that Ruth taught you, which are familiar to me through my study of Kriya Yoga philosophy and practices, as well as similar practices in other traditions. So when we begin meditating, we turn our attention within, we let go of of, um, muscle tension, and we use various breathing techniques, which in the yoga um, philosophy are called pranayama. We practice concentration by bringing our attention to an object, uh, such as a mantra, and then uh, whenever we realize that our thoughts have become distracted, we return our attention to that you know, focus of concentration. Um, and it sounded like from the descriptions that I read in your book um, that the techniques that Ruth taught you were very similar. So can you briefly describe the first two practices that Ruth taught you for relaxing the body and taming the mind? Sure. Um, and just to comment, uh, this was in 1968 when I had this experience, and uh, these ideas of meditation were certainly not that common. We had the Beatles, we had Maharishi Yogi, we had Alan Watts, but uh, uh, really, in a general sense, these were not talked about, they were not commonly practiced, certainly in the West, and frankly, I, I have actually no knowledge of Ruth's background, but clearly... She had background with uh, Eastern philosophies. And as you were pointing out, uh, the practices that she taught me are very similar to those that have been used in a variety of traditions for a few thousand years. And the first thing that she taught me was relaxing the body. And what so many of us don't appreciate is that the effects on our body of our interacting in our environment with people and with various life stresses manifests itself oftentimes within the muscles of our body, uh, mm-hmm. causing muscles to tighten up, uh, causing us to uh, be distracted. And so the most important lesson, first lesson, if you will, before you can really understand how to be within yourself and uh, understand yourself better is to learn how to relax. And what she had me do was, with intention, think about each uh, muscle group, if you will, as I was seated with my back straight, um, and consciously think about them as an example, the muscles of my legs, abdomen, chest, arms, neck, and think about consciously relaxing those while doing a breathing exercise. And what the breathing exercise does uh, results in, one, uh, you not being distracted as much, but more importantly, it causes a shift of your autonomic nervous system from the sympathetic nervous system, which is associated with our interaction with our environment and responding to fears, anxiety, stressors, mm-hmm. and the consequent effect of that, which is release of cortisol and epinephrine, and and it creates muscle tightness, and it also creates this uh, alertness uh, for things around you in a fearful way, uh, to the parasympathetic nervous system, which causes your heart rate to decrease, your blood pressure to decrease, the release of hormones that are associated with affiliative behavior, connection, calmness. 
And it was those things that allowed me to go, if you will, uh, to the next step. And that breathing exercise, that relaxing with intention, it then allows you to have a tool which gives you focus and attention. Because without focus and attention and having been able to relax and be present, if you will, you really can't go on to the other things that are so critical with regard to gaining insight in your, to yourself and the nature of reality. Exactly. That's a great description. And I wanted to just briefly comment that one of the fascinating things to me in my study of yoga and yoga therapy is to really understand more about this link between the breath and the uh, parasympathetic nervous system, uh, which in the, if you call the sympathetic nervous system the, you know, fight or flight, um, response, which many people are familiar with. And then I've, I've heard the parasympathetic uh, nervous system called rest and digest. Um, so it, it, it really, it, it's our, it's our anti-stress uh, system and that it's so intimately associated and can be triggered so easily from, from breath. Um, so that's been, um, that's been a real, real, um, fascinating thing to me that those two are so closely you know interacted and as you said if there's a lot of tension in the body if there's a lot of you know the fight or flight response going on really interferes with our ability to concentrate which is the next exercise that she taught you exactly and the other thing that i think many people don't appreciate is that we all have a dialogue that is going on in our head. And I use the analogy of a DJ and a radio station um, in the book, but for many people, especially in the West, there is a self-created conversation that for many people is not positive and one of self-affirmation. It is a, a radio station that tells you you're not good enough, you right. haven't done X, Y, or Z, that you're a failure, that uh, people don't like you, that that uh, they judge you on X, Y, or Z, and that uh, you're not going to be able to achieve uh, your goals. And it's really quite demoralizing and negative. And why that is so prevalent in the West, I don't know. Um, but one of the first insights that one can get, which allows you to go to this next step, is a realization of this. Because for many people, who they believe they are and that dialogue are the same thing. Right. And right. There's a real the, association with that internal critic that is so much harsher on ourselves than it would be on anyone else, any friend that we had. I mean, we'd never give them a, a hard, as hard a time as I think uh, often we give ourselves. No, that's exactly right. And when you, first of all, recognize that fact, and then recognize that that voice is not you, but is actually a creation of comments that you have gathered from those around you. And I think in the West, because it's competitive, because there's a disassociation from uh, how we lived uh, centuries ago in community with groups who uh, appreciated who you were, both your strengths, your weaknesses, always supported you, always loved you, always told you you were good and that you were loved. In a modern Western society, oftentimes we are criticized on all sorts of levels. And recognizing that and then recognizing that not only does not uh, that, uh, that dialogue represent who you are, but it limits you from reaching your full potential. Because when right. you say you can't do something, then you already cannot. You have already failed. And it is the recognition of this fact <clears throat> and the ability to understand that you can change that dialogue. 
Right. And uh, I should just uh, put a little comment in here that we did recently have another guest, Dr. Kristen Neff uh, from the uh, University of Texas at Austin, I believe. Um, she was on the Yoga Hour recently, I think it was in May, to talk about self-compassion, which is another huge area of research within positive psychology and really touches on what you're saying and, and looks at, you know, how we often sabotage ourselves, sabotage ourselves, you know, with, uh, you know, with this internal critic. Um so, so uh, I'm again thrilled that that people are beginning to research these topics and show that it's actually not beneficial uh, from a scientific standpoint, you know, to have this self criticism. So, um, Ruth taught you this 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 process of focusing. So, can you describe that briefly? Well, <clears throat> in my case. Uh and there are different ways to do this, as I discuss in the book, and which certainly you're aware of. But one of the best ways is to, uh, while you're doing your breathing, to uh, focus on something um, in, in an intentful way and in a repetitive way. In my case, it was the creation of a mantra that I would repeat while I was... Uh, in this state of focusing my attention and through the repetition of that mantra it allowed me not to be distracted with all the other things that are floating through my mind some of which we were just discussing uh this negative dialogue which uh Kristen Neff has uh so wonderfully uh, researched and outlined techniques to uh, let yourself be kind uh, to yourself. And uh, other ways to do it or can be with looking at a candle, as an example, or looking at an object, uh, or it can simply uh, be focusing on a sound. Uh, right. So there are a variety of ways to do that. But once you're able to tame your mind to get rid of that distracting dialogue, it then allows you to start internalizing a different dialogue, one that is uh, kind, one that is self-affirmative, one that recognizes that you're beautiful and that you have wonderful aspects of yourself that can uh, change the world, in fact, and one that allows you to love yourself and by doing so, give love to others. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And as we turn toward the discussion of uh, affirmation, which you just mentioned, and, and visualization, I, I did want to share another quote from Roy Eugene Davis, who is a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda. Uh, he has a little booklet, which um, is um, a really nice summary called How to Use Your Creative Imagination. And in that booklet, he writes, because you are a spiritual being, you already have the ability to either remove or transcend all limiting conditions that may have until now opposed your endeavors to live freely, enjoyably, and effectively. As this is being accomplished, the necessary resources and supportive events, circumstances, and relationships for your highest good will be spontaneously provided and your spiritual growth will be rapid and satisfying. Um, so he goes on in detail to, you know, using affirmations and visualizations. I did want to mention that he has a free booklet this, that I've been mentioning um, available at his uh, website, csa-davis.org. Um, and then you also have on your website, into the magic shop. Uh, dot com, you have these uh, scripts that are available free for people. Um, so let's turn to the, um, you know, that you were just mentioning these these um, uh, techniques, these affirmations for opening your heart. And you mentioned in the book that this was more difficult for you to understand when you were a boy, um, but that she did teach you, you know, these these positive affirmations that you're mentioning. So. Uh, if you had to pick one of, I believe she gave you a list of ten. Um, which one do you think was was most important? You know, for you personally, made the most difference in uh, in your life. Well, actually, um, that alphabet of the heart, which I think you're referring to, actually, uh, I created after having <clears throat> experienced. 
actually not opening my heart, uh, mm-hmm. but using the technique of intention and clarity and manifestation to acquire things that I thought would make me happy. Right. And um, the reality was that she taught me these incredible uh, techniques that allowed me to manifest uh uh, not only the ability to go to college and medical school, but also become a very successful entrepreneur. And it was only when I was at the <clears throat> peak of my success and then suddenly lost everything that I realized that what I had been chasing based on, uh, frankly, a lack of wisdom uh, was not what gave me, uh, if you will, sustenance. And it was a hollowness that I had as a result of that. And um, from that, when I was at a, a low point, if you will, I went back and reflected on all the lessons that Ruth had taught me and uh, realized that they were contained within 10 letters of the alphabet, C through L. And, uh, uh, and probably, you know, I wish I could say <clears throat> there was just one because... All 10 of those are really a manifestation of the lessons that she taught me. But certainly, uh, E, as an example, equanimity Mm -hmm. um, is very, very important. And the reason I say that is that so many of us, when we have a very positive experience uh, that is exhilarating, that that makes us feel fulfilled and... uh, and whole and that we perceive as us really being uh, the manifestation of, of greatness or success or whatever, so often we want to cling to that experience and, and maintain that high, but that's mm-hmm. not the nature of reality. And it is this clinging or grasping or attachment that makes so many people unhappy because you cannot live always with that type of a high. That's not the nature of our human life or our existence. Just as the down events that occur in our life are almost always transient, we can be in very, very low places. And again, we have a tendency to say, oh my God, I'm a failure. This is my life. If only I'd done X, Y, or Z. And when you have no attachment to either, and when you regard them for what they are, the transient nature of reality, it is not that you don't appreciate the highs or uh, live the lows and learn from them, but when you have an equanimity or evenness of your emotional state, it doesn't mean you're uh, not connecting to those experiences and either thoroughly enjoying them or perhaps <laughs> not wanting to experience them, but it doesn't affect your inner calmness of spirit because right. when that is affected, it results in you interacting with the world as a result of that. And when you can Absolutely. maintain this, yeah, when you can maintain this calmness of spirit, mm-hmm. then people react to you in that manner because First of all, uh, if you give this impression you're always unhappy, of course, that creates a stage around uh, which, unhappy, which unhappiness prevails. And when you have the sense of everything is perfect and you're great and you're pushing your ego out there, that also affects other people. Mm-hmm. So while you can deeply appreciate all your experiences, when you maintain this calmness of spirit, it allows those around you to also be calm. Uh, So I would say that's certainly important, but if you look at the other letters of the alphabet, compassion for self and others, recognizing the dignity of every person, E, which we talked about, equanimity, F, forgiveness, G for gratitude, H for humility, I for having integrity and personal values, J, justice, our responsibility for caring for those who are vulnerable, K, the active component of kindness, all contained by love. That Mm -hmm. defines, I believe, every lesson that Ruth taught me, but also a way in which you can live your life 
by living those 10 letters. Mm. Yeah, such a great little mnemonic. You had talked earlier about how you use mnemonics in your, you know, medical training. Um, and I certainly, you know, grappled with them as well. And that's such a great one, you know, that they're, they happen to, you know, follow the letters, as you said, you know, C through L. Um, so we've, t- we've touched a little bit, you know, mentioned a little bit about this process of, uh, visualization, you know, that Ruth taught you. Um, and you do give such great, you know, examples in the book of how, you know, of how you, um, you know, how that experience and knowledge and practice of the exercises that Ruth gave you really helped, you know, to change your life and how you, you know, were able to go to medical school despite, you know, not having the money. Um, so can you briefly describe the process that she taught you? Um. <clears throat> I'm sorry, could you repeat that one more time? I, I was sure. think going through those letters again while you were talking to me. Oh, okay. No, yeah. I was just we've talked a little bit about the process of visualization. And that mm. was um, you know, we, we talked first about how you relax the body, which was her first, you know, her first practice, and then um how you uh uh, focus, develop focus, and then how you open your heart, um, which leads us to the fourth exercise that she taught you about, you know, visualization. Um, sure. So did you want to just give a brief summary of the process? Sure, sure. I apologize. Yeah. I was, I was oh, so thinking right. about those letters. Um, it's interesting because what we don't, or what so many of us don't appreciate is how powerful we can be and how that power can manifest uh, what we wish. Now, that's, of course, in the context of us wishing for things that don't harm others and that are a benefit. But um, one of the things I didn't realize was this connection within us, and this is what Ruth taught me, was this idea of having a goal or an intention. And for many of us, that goal or intention, sort of, we haven't spent enough time so that there is clarity in regard to how we wish that to manifest. And what she taught me was that this is very common, but that you can set an intention. And if every day you sit with that intention and visualize it in your mind, what happens over time is that that image of that intention manifesting goes, if you will, from uh, looking through a uh, opaque glass and have the image incredibly blurry to, over time, uh, suddenly the glass being clear, and you can see it with absolute clarity and see every detail. And as you go from that Uh, if you will, lack of focus to focus, your subconscious mind takes on this and allows the circumstances to manifest which will allow you to reach your goal. And that's not to say, because at first when I was taught this, I thought, oh, geez, there's point A and I want to be at point B and it's just a straight line and I'll get there. (laughs) And uh, that was very naive. Uh, And what I learned was that you will get there more often than not, but there may be detours, there may be flat tires, there may be hills, (laughs) there may be valleys, and you may get lost a few times. Mm -hmm. But if you keep that intention and have repetition of that image you wish to manifest, more often than not, it will. And as I give repeatedly uh, examples in the book, at least for me, that has allowed me one of the greatest gifts, which is to manifest my deepest desires. The other aspect of this, though, which is so critically important to, if you will, happiness, contentment, and ultimately meaning in life, is to recognize, though, that the greatest gift gift you can give to yourself and others is to have an open heart, have selflessness, and be of service. Because when you engage in those actions, 
not only, as I said earlier, and we discussed, the world changes how it interacts with you, but each of us at the end of our days wants to believe that we had a purpose, that there was a reason for us to be here, and ultimately, based on at least my own experience to date, that occurs when you give selflessly to others and when you recognize the oneness of our humanity and that by being of service to others, you serve yourself. Yes. And and then that is all you need to have lived a life. Mm. Yes, and I... I really got a lot out of your sharing so deeply in the book about your own, you know, journey and the arc of you becoming, you know, incredibly successful and, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur. And then as you've mentioned earlier, the, the, um, you know, the process of losing everything, you know, that you, you know, that you had. Um, and that really brought you back to this realization that this key is the compassion. And the kindness that we have, you know, toward others being of service to, um, you know, to humanity and that you have to do it with your heart, uh, which you, which you also obviously included in, in the title, you know, of, or the subtitle of the book. Um, so yeah, it's a great, great story for, for our listeners who uh, may want to check out the book. Um, so, so, um, you describe in the book, the processes that Ruth taught you and um, what advice would you have, you know, for someone who is, um, is interested in developing, you know, this as a practice? Um, What, you know, what do you think, maybe it's back to the uh, uh, letters again about how we can bring all those qualities into our life, but um, what what advice would you give someone who wants to, you know, start down this path of, um, of, uh, trying to manifest, you know, something that is important to them in their lives that would be for the common good? Well, I think um, the first thing that's that's really important, uh, and this goes back to what we were discussing earlier, uh, and again, not everyone uh, is going to be a monk or a priest or Mother Teresa, and you don't have to be. Uh, not everyone is going to uh, be able to meditate for hours and hours at a time. You don't have to. The most important thing, though, is to be able to sit with yourself. And if you sit with yourself and you think about those situations where you were given unconditional love, and how that feels when you receive that. Mm-hmm. And if you let yourself sit with that feeling and understand how it released from you all your anxieties, your fears, your self-criticism, knowing that you were totally, completely, unconditionally loved, when you can sit with that and experience that, And then when you look at the world, you try as best you can to give that to other people. That will change how the world interacts with you, but it will also free you from the things that limit you in achieving what you want. Because while it's wonderful to have dreams and aspirations and to go for those and have those manifest, if along that journey you carry with you this desire to give others love, to not judge others, to embrace them, that will remove all the blocks, boulders, hills, valleys, that lie in your way, or at least allow you the strength to continue on your journey because all those around you will want you to succeed in your journey. 
Yes, just a, a lovely, lovely bit of advice and summary as we come to the close of the conversation. It's been a joy to share this yoga hour with you. Uh, my guest today has been Dr. James Doty, author of Into the Magic Shop, a neurosurgeon's quest to discover the mysteries of the brain and the secrets of the heart. Dr. Doty is clinical professor of neurosurgery at Stanford and founder and director of the Center for Compassion and Altruism Research and Education. You can find out more about Dr. Doty's work at two websites, intothemagicshop.com and ccare.stanford.edu. Thank you again, Jim, for joining us today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Laura. Laurel, I appreciate it very much, and I hope to speak with you again soon. Hmm. Join us next week when my guest will be uh, Frank Ostaseski, the founder of the Meta Institute and co-founder of the Zen Hospice Project in San Francisco. Um, the Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. For more information about the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit csecenter.org. And remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour at iTunes. I look forward to being with you again when Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. of thousands of listeners like you have been transformed through the ministry of Paulette Pipe and her program, Touching the Stillness, one of the longest-running programs on Unity Online Radio. Paulette's latest album of guided meditations, Blissful Stillness, is a new and different experience. The mystical quality of our beautiful voice will reverberate through a Zen-style meditation, a mudra meditation, which are yoga hand positions to deepen your practice, and guided meditations, which we know and love. It features a new instrumental sound by Kelly Hunt with a bonus track by Kathy Zavada. Experience a blissful immersion into quiet and stillness by purchasing your own copy at Shop. Dot unityonline.org Look at those closest to you your family, your friends, your co-workers the people you spend the most time with can tell you much about yourself how? one way is that quite often what we see in others is in some way a reflection of something within ourselves what we most admire in another may be a quality we possess but have not yet recognized. It's also true that what we dislike most in another may also reflect some trait within ourselves that we aren't aware of. Whether our response to them is positive or negative, other people can serve as mirrors to teach us about ourselves. Look with new eyes at the people around you. Chances are, all of the behaviors and attitudes you see in them contribute to the way you show up in the world. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org.
Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn. These days, it seems like there is no end to our problems. We invite you to connect with Silent Unity, the 24-hour prayer ministry where someone is waiting to pray with you right now. Since 1890, Silent Unity has always been there. No judgment or dogma, just someone affirming the best for you. Call 816-969-2000 today. You can also connect online at unityprayervigil.org. 